Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Petra Puskarova, our European Energy Risk Manager. Now, um, there's been some extraordinary developments, as we know, Petra, in, in the European energy markets. But the, one of the big questions we've all been worrying about um, is when Nord Stream 2 is finally going to start flowing. Has there been any news on that recently? We've heard uh, some remarks, I think, from President Putin. Uh, what's the situation there currently? There has been indeed lots of news in terms of gas flows and Nord Stream 2 in general. I'm sure that our audience will be interested to hear that the first string of Nord Stream 2 has been filled with technical gas and based on the current level of the pressure, it would be available and able to send the gas to Europe as soon as, of course, the documentation and the certification has been granted. Of course, this would usually bring lots of bearish sentiment, but at the same time, yesterday, the transit auction via Ukraine didn't really surprise and Russia didn't book any extra transit capacity via this country, although this was not really expected. There has been some marginal capacity booked via Poland. And if we were to look in uh, at Russian flows in general between October and November, we would be expecting sort of a flat situation, so an unchanged volume in terms of flows. We've also mentioned that there were further news in terms of Russia and um, energy security. Last week and the week before has been the week when the Russian Energy Week took place and there have been lots of statements that took place. One of them, of course, was from President Putin confirming and advising that Russia is, of course, not using gas as any sort of weapon. He underlined the need for Europe to ask for extra gas capacity if needed. This statement has actually been underlined later on by Gazprom and also by Gazprom's rival Novatec, confirming that Europe has actually not asked for extra capacity to the date. At the same time, Novatec actually underlined the need for longer term contracts that they would be looking to settle with Europe as they currently are doing with their Asian partners in the Asian market. I think that's a really important point because, you know, when European gas markets were liberalizing, there was a lot of move away from long-term oil indexed contracts in order to get the market more open and more spot liquidity and so on. And that was probably a very good thing. But one wonders if it hasn't gone a little bit too far. And when we see the sort of prices that are being paid for gas in Asia at the moment, one has to understand that those are sort of spot cargo prices. A lot of consumers are getting some of their gas or suppliers getting some of their gas on long-term contracts, aren't they? And uh, you would have thought a healthy market would probably have a mixture of short and long-term contracting, wouldn't it? Exactly. I will just use a very quick example. One of the articles or news that struck during the news over the past few days, Serbia actually currently uh, 90% of their imports come from Russia via the southern pipelines. Currently, they are paying $270 per 1,000 cubic meters of gas versus the current price of nearly $1,000 per 1,000 cubic meters. And that's the result of the longer terms contract. Well, perhaps an important message there for Europe about getting the balance right. We think of security of supply. Producers like Russia think of security of demand. And if they're going to make hugely expensive investments in infrastructure and in the operations to get the gas to market, they're going to have to know that there's a secure 
source of demand at the other end. But Russia, of course, not the only potential source of, of gas or certainly even of pipeline gas to Europe. Uh, what's happening elsewhere? I gather there's uh, some developments from North African supplies into Spain. Is that right? It is, and it's potentially even a little bit more arming, given that there is no alternative for Spain, as there is no new pipeline, basically just awaiting the certification. Uh, the situation between Spain and suppliers from North Africa is going to get tighter at the end of this month. There has been some tensions between Algeria and Morocco, and as a result of these tensions, uh, one of the pipelines will be shut at the end of this month. There are currently two pipelines. One is called uh, Maghreb that runs from Algeria through Morocco into Spain and terminates in Tarifa. And then there is a second one called Medgas that goes from Algeria straight into Spain and terminates in Almeria. Both of these pipelines accounts for around 8 BCM of gas. So the first 8 BCM will be turned off at the end of this month and it's unsure when and if it's going to be turned back. Algeria has confirmed that they will be able to ramp up the capacity on the Medgas one to 10 BCM, but there is still around 6 BCM of gas missing. Of course, we know that Spain is one of the biggest LNG importers in Europe, but due to the continuous increase in the demand and tightness in LNG market, they might fall to be able to remain competitive in the market versus the Asian buyers. Well, that's obviously another aspect of the market um, for us to watch and keep an eye on. I hope there are some positive developments there soon. And of course, you know, the gas tightness is not identical across the, the whole of Europe, is it? Some countries have uh, more risks there, more gas in storage or less, and, and more or less choice in terms of where the gas is coming from, don't they? Yes, and the diversity is actually now nicely showing on the price curve. If we look at electricity curve, and if we were talking together since early this year, we were always saying first half of the year that the main driver was carbon, and we could actually see most of the power contracts in Europe raising sharply, maybe with the exception of Spain that has been reluctant to the carbon moves until maybe May or June. But there has been a significant or very interesting development, which we can show in the comparison between Polish and German power curve, especially for next year. If we were to look at prices, we could see that from July on, so basically from when information or the tighter gas situation in Europe really started kicking in, we will see that the German power curve, that it's more gas correlated, was increasing way more sharply than the Polish power curve. We know that the generation in Poland is still nearly 80% coal, so really carbon sensitive, but way less gas sensitive. It's only 10% of gas generation in Poland that is used for power. Right. And with that in mind, of course, you know, the power and gas impact has been felt very keenly by business energy users across Europe. There are some measures that member states are taking to try and mitigate some of the impact of the cost increases, aren't there? You know, the European Commission put out a, a, a statement a week or two ago indicating some areas in which member states could legitimately take activities uh, under the state aid rules. But Germany and others are looking, aren't they, to see what can be done to mitigate the impact of rising energy prices. Is there anything sort of notable? examples we might look at there? 
It's a bit of a mixed bag. So most of the countries have decided to cut uh, some of the taxes. This would be more or less the same in the majority of the European countries. On the top of that, Italy has managed to or agreed to remove the system costs for households and small businesses. And we know that, for example, Germany has decided to uh, cut down the power surcharge uh, levies in more detail, the EEG, which uh, represents a very big proportion of the bill for households. But also for businesses. Overall, if we were to look, uh, we do see measures taken, but mostly for households and small businesses. Major industrials have not seen a lot of support yet, and we are seeing lots of industrials, especially from the steel and fertilizer area, to deciding to shut down the production temporarily to avoid paying these high prices. If we were to also maybe mention one other step that is currently being discussed, various parties have called for 55 to be reviewed or potentially postponed, as we know that it's one of another very important drivers for prices at the moment, not particularly in the gas field, but of course carbon and electricity. So this is going to be discussed very soon. Of course, the outcome is unsure, but potentially there is a little bit of doubt in terms of where the carbon price will go near term. We have been seeing a little bit of the disconnection between the carbon price and the gas price movement. And we're also seeing uh, some small sell-off in the carbon market over past two days. We actually seen carbon prices dropping to levels last seen in late August. And just to give an idea where carbon is currently trading, it's currently testing 57 euros per ton, which is off the previous peaks that were nearing 65 euros per ton. That's interesting. One can't see the European Commission moving far away from its strong statements on Fit for 55 and the carbon reduction pledges, certainly not this side of the COP26 meeting. But how Europe moves towards it and keeping those costs under control, particularly for electricity intensive users, I think is going to be quite critical. And it's not very helpful for decarbonisation to be piling costs on electricity if you're trying to get people to move away from gas. But of course, we shouldn't forget the suppliers on in all this as well. And, and a number of suppliers have left the market, haven't they, as a result of the very difficult conditions? Yes, they have. We've seen another few, mostly household suppliers falling in the UK. We've also had some recent activity in Central and Eastern Europe. Coincidence, there is a second supplier falling in Czech Republic. It's uh, after Luminus fell a few weeks ago. It's now Bohemia Energy. And we've also seen one of the independent suppliers in Slovakia called Slovakia Energy also leaving the market as a result of insufficient hedging and not being able to cope with current prices. Indeed. So, uh, you know, although consumers might think that um, suppliers are sometimes part of the problem, we do need a profitable uh, supplier sector in order to uh, uh, keep business going. And, um, uh, you know, the current conditions have caused casualties there as well. Well, Petra, that's been really interesting. Thank you very much. Still in volatile times by the sound of it, but possibly some uh, developments to come in the weeks ahead. I hope you found that interesting too. Do have a look out for our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK and have a look at our reports there and we hope you're able to join us again for a podcast very soon.